This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony R. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony R. Well, Agony R is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony R a call. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not using our own brain power, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron, I'm an author and an occasional reader of books, very occasional, and I've got Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our swanky studio in my back garden. Say hello, lads. There is so much swank in this studio right now. <laughs> swank off. Um, I'm a fan and Liam's a maestro, excuse me. Uh, it's alliterative, isn't it? Film fan, music maestro. Hmm. Would you film. prefer film fanatic? No, not really. Film. Think of something with an F that you can. Fantastic yeah. film forager. Yeah, forager, forager, like that. yeah. Star He's Trek foraging Bob. in the archives of film. Star Trek forager. Solve your problems. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've got something interesting to talk about today, which is a few episodes ago, Liam said. That at the end of each episode, we should say, if you're going to, we should each commit ourselves to one piece of media. Say, if you're going to consume one piece of art we mentioned today, it should be this one. Do you want to try doing that today? Yeah, I'm a little bit insulted. It took you this long to put it into the podcast. We've just got so many things to talk about, Liam. We have to... We're busy people. We're yeah. busy podcasters, Liam. Okay? <laughs> we can't accommodate all your whims, all right? <laughs> uh, but I, I would like this because, as we've established, I really haven't seen many films or read that many books, to be honest. So, and I would like so to do more of these things. You. So, yeah, yeah having a focus list reduces Great. your mental load. Does it have to be one we talk about on that episode? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should make it something we talked about that episode. So, plus, it's just random. Not Braveheart every week. <laughs> Braveheart every week. But I watched it last week. Watch it again <laughs> <laughs> until you appreciate it. <laughs> have we considered what we're going to do if all of our examples are not actually that good? I'll never recommend anyone watch um, Can Watch Life Cut It. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liam, are you saying that we should be? It should be at the end of each episode or at the end of each problem. Well, originally I thought end of each episode we could. End of each episode. Okay, yeah, we'll give I it think, a go today. We'll give it yeah. a go. One film per week is enough, I think. All right. I've recommended that someone at work watch a Karate Kid every day for the last three months. They still haven't. Why would they watch it every day for three months? <laughs> it was my um, my prescription. <laughs> they were sad. So. All right, cool. Well, if I start doing the outro script and I forget to do it, one of you remind me, please. Thanks. So before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles. And our advice should almost never be followed. After all, the biggest problem we've had to solve this week was, 
whether we're going to recommend one piece of art per problem or per episode. It's always commitment, isn't it, that we struggle to yeah. commit to? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can commit to commitment. Um, and as you just heard from Carl, we couldn't even sort that one out. So <laughs> we're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, with the disclaimer out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is our first problem for today. I think I'm developing a crush on an old friend. We've known each other for years and I've never really thought of him like that. But suddenly, he seems to be getting a bit sexy. Do I make a move and risk ruining the relationship? Or wait for the crush to fade and possibly miss out on some top quality loving? Wit woo. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Can you not whistle? Hold on. There you go. <laughs> You've been practicing. <laughs> Anyone else, when, when it got to that line, suddenly it seems to be getting a bit sexy. Just get Marvin Gaye popping into their heads, you know, the whole. <laughs> Do you know what? The first bit was good, but then you ended on such a whimper. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like my cat when she wants food. She's like. I think it was your cat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wrong that you think my cat's getting a bit sexy, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not welcome back. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so who wants to start? Who's got some suggestions for our friend? In fact, wait. Let's give them a name. Marvin. The Marshal. Has anyone Marvin. got any suggestions for Marvin? Oh, that's... Um, oh, I've got a couple, but I'll let uh, someone else go first this time. No? Go, Liam, go. You sure? Yeah. All right. Well, hog the limelight as usual. I'm joking. Driven. Um, yeah. Go on, Liam. Go. <laughs> Marvin, you've uh, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with crushes. In uh, back in 1998, uh, there's a song released by Jennifer Page that was called "Crush" uh, from her debut self-titled album. And I would say that Jennifer Page offers the grounding that everybody obsessing over their latest infatuations needs. To be honest. She sums it up quite well in the chorus. It's just a little crush. It's not like I faint every time we touch. You know. It's just a little crush. Crush. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so That is such a tune though, isn't it? It's, it's a really good song. It's a really good song. Um, did you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a feeling this fact is going to be crap since Liam laughed at it <laughs> before no, he even started. It is a great song and... There's a few credited songwriters, and one of them, his name is Mark Mueller. He also wrote the theme tune for 80s kids' TV classic DuckTales. Oh, Have you heard that yeah. theme? That is a cracking theme. I was trying to think of themes. 80s cartoon themes were amazing. Yeah, I was trying to think of... Like, the raccoons. Is it the raccoons? Oh, yeah, I like the raccoons. The raccoons really creeped me out when I was a kid, though. It was really dark, wasn't it? Mm. I, it's just the whole... It was very dingy, the colour mm. scheme. So yeah, it was creep me out. I like Tom Sorry. and Jerry kids. Tom and Jerry kids, <laughs> come on and see where all the action is. <laughs> but we did interrupt, Liam. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I was trying to think of like what is the best kind of kids TV theme. Oh, we and were. Yeah. We went. We should have waited. We went up on the tangent. Liam wanted us to go on. And well, I've got a contender think, here. All right. Have you ever ever, ever felt, felt like, like this? When strange things happen, are you going round the twist? I see what I really love Bang as well. On. You ever see Trapdoor? Don't you open that trapdoor? 
it's a banging theme tune. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Though. I don't remember that. At all. It's about a little Play-Doh man who um, has like a. I can't even remember. He has like this little trap door that he's not supposed to open because there's something down there and it's evil. It's funny, I think... Is that your recommendation for the whole episode? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, that was a good one, Aaron. And it's funny when you only remember the theme tune to something like Sharky and George. Remember? Oh, Sharky and George. Crime busters up the sea. That was terrible. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> and I don't the, know if we're going to be able to keep any of these in. I'm going to keep them in. Yeah. But we might expect cease and desist. From Sharky and George. <laughs> yeah. Sharky is very litigious. Um, the, the, I think the biggest one from our era, because we were young with some of these, but is Arthur, isn't it? Yeah. I can't remember how it goes. We've done that before on this podcast. Have we? Yeah. yeah. I can't remember how it goes say, now. Hey, 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 what a wonderful kind of day. day. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, carry on. Let's then. get back to Crush by Jennifer Page. Um, but I do have another fun fact about this song. There's a story behind it. Do you know about this? Um, <laughs> well, I imagine it's that she had a crush. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> just a little just a little crush. yeah it was just only a... it was allegedly written for another another musician Prince. who was around at the time Karate Kid uh, <laughs> how big of a fan of NSYNC were you? not very could you name any of them apart from Justin Timberlake? I was hoping you didn't say <laughs> <laughs> no I can uh, there was another f- semi-famous one wasn't there? Uh, when you say their name I'm going to know it uh, you might not I don't know how famous he was I've never heard of him um, no offence, Joey, for Tony, if you're listening. If you are listening, please Should sponsor us. I think it was that one, because um, whenever I see his name, I think his name's Joey Fat One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see, I can see Tony. why you might think that. Joey F-A-T-O-N-E. Joey Fat Tony. So this is according to songfacts.com, which have no references, so it could just be Lee, you can't plug your own website. But... So, according to this, according to somefacts.com, Jennifer Page was once spotted with a Superman ring. And this is apparently notable because Joey Fatoni was a known collector of Superman memorabilia and allegedly claimed it was her engagement ring. <laughs> is this like the um, Frankie and Damon situation where she claims she's never even met him? <laughs> it, it does seem like the sort of thing that there was like some sort of media outlet that were really clutching at straws and they were just like, yeah, let's go with that. This is National Enquirer. I bet, his, I bet his sex was whack as well. <laughs> the main theme of the song is that uh, obviously Jennifer Page has a bit of a crush on someone, but the other person is taking it far too seriously. And she's like, just, just calm down a bit. So, you know, other snippets include, please don't make too much of it, baby. And it's not like we have a date with destiny. So, so she's saying, I've got a crush on you, but it's not really a big crush. She's saying it's just a little crush, you know, chill. <laughs> okay, so the advice there would be tell your crush that you've got a little crush on them, but kind of downplay it. It's like when people say, oh, imagine if we had sex. I'm only joking. <laughs> but you want it? Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't answer that. So <laughs> it's kind of like that, isn't it? Have it's you like, used that before? <laughs> <laughs> I use it on my wife every, every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the, what I'd take from it is don't expect too much from it, and you might both have fun. But if one of you feels stronger than the other, then you might end up writing a passive-aggressive song about it. Yeah, or is just it play it off. <laughs> oh, it was only a little crush anyway. I was joking. Yeah. I was joking. <laughs> just a little crush. Crush. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I've, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna keep it kind of open as well. I'm gonna lead you to "Where Rainbows End" by Cecilia Ahern. It's also known as Love Rosie. I think it was released in America as that. Published by HarperCollins. It's an 
epistolary novel. Remember when I taught you about Romana Clefs, Carl? Yeah. I'm going to teach you about a new kind of novel What today. was a Romana Clef, Carl? What does Romana Clef mean in French? Um, I, don't, I don't listen to the podcast back, I wouldn't know. To be fair, I didn't say it in the other episode. It means novel with a key. Yeah, it's going to Ah, say. okay. Okay, so an epistolary novel is a novel that's written in the form of letters, emails, instant messages. Like so it's, um, Sherlock Holmes? Maybe. Well, I don't want to commit myself to that either way. Um, what I'm going to say is this one <laughs> is written in the form of letters, emails, instant messages. Adrian Mole. Yep. Yeah. Diary entries. Is it? There you go. Have you That's never probably... read Adrian Mole? No, I haven't. Oh. I haven't read any books, Liam. <laughs> he just that. writes them. <laughs> um, uh, so this is a typical rom- rom-com style story. Rosie and Alex have been friends since childhood. They've got great chemistry. They get on well. They're both a bit sexy looking. There's a film. This was adapted into a film, but it was starring um, Sam Claflin. Is that his name? Anyway, so they're both very good looking. They'd be a great match. But like you, Marvin, they fear they'd ruin their friendship if they went for it. So they don't get together. They find other people. They move away, but they stay in touch over long distances. But it seems like they'll never get a chance to get together again. But eventually stars align and they finally realize that they were meant for each other all along now there's two ways you could take a story like this maybe they were always made for each other and it always would have worked in which case you don't want to waste much time do you You might as well make most of a love like that asap or maybe it was all of those years of will they won't they moving away and keeping in touch over long distances which gave their love the foundation it needed Maybe it wouldn't have worked if they'd have got together earlier because they needed those intervening years and experiences to teach them what they needed and how to make the most of each other. So, what does that mean for you, Marvin? Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Choose which of those interpretations you prefer and do what feels right, I suppose. Either go for it now or just wait a while. Give it some time. See if the crush either fades or if it gets stronger. Well, Friends with Benefits 2011... No, thanks. <laughs> Would you like to be your friend with benefit in 2011? <laughs> <laughs> Only can, that year. We can go back in time. And um, Directed by William Gluck. So they are platonic friends, Milo Kunis and Justin Timberlake. Second time he's mentioned on the pod today. Mm. If you're listening, um, Justin, big fan. Yeah. They're just friends. Like They meet in a professional setting. I think uh, Milo Kunis is like a, a recruiter. It's so like not sexy the way they meet and she gets him a job. Um, and they, you know, they start having a good friendship. They go out drinking, and one night they think, you know what? We both think we're attractive people. Let's just have casual sex. No strings attached. They agree that there shouldn't always be emotion attached to it. But guess what happens? Uh oh! Oh no! Emotion gets attached to it. Oh, <laughs> oh no! The one uh. thing they didn't want. <laughs> 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 so they kind of fall for each other. It's quite obvious they do, but they try and they keep it platonic. And then Mina Kunis meets Justin Timberlake's family. Guess what? They absolutely love her. Um, and they think, oh, she's so perfect. But then Justin Timberlake says she's damaged. And she overhears it. What a bastard. Isn't it? So she ends... No wonder he was kicked out of NSYNC. I know. Bastard. Love you, JT. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, they go their separate ways completely. And um, things happen. And they end up realising they're soulmates. 
and the film ends with a flash mob at Grand Central Station. So, <laughs> Do they like sing a song? Uh, other people dance and they kiss. They're trying to say, let's not attach emotion to it. So the, the only problem you've got, Marvin, is that you don't know that the person you have a crush on has a crush back. So you can't necessarily say, do you want to have sex, see what happens? Because you might say, uh, no. And that will ruin your friendship. So, But as, as we've established, you can just go, I was only joking. <laughs> uh, you feel for it. <laughs> It might work out well for you, but there's also a chance it might not. And you got I think you've got to think about how much you value that friendship. There's a there's a song from twenty nineteen. I think this is the most recent example of a song I've done on the podcast. Is, so is it on the um, folk song list? <laughs> it's, it's certainly not. <laughs> it's, this is a song uh, by an artist called Celeste called Strange. Uh, released last last year. Am I dating us too much if I say that? In twenty nineteen. And yeah, Celeste pre- presents this cautionary tale in a hauntingly beautiful song i really like the song it's great um, i've never heard of it was it in the charts it was on like the those radio one like new music shows so a fair bit i don't know if it was in the charts but if you don't listen to like that sort of thing you probably wouldn't have heard it yeah i don't listen to music i refuse <laughs> it doesn't read books it's the music watch films <laughs> it's the devil's play thing that's how the devil gets you but the song, <laughs> the song's about a relationship that blossomed from a friendship, but ultimately ended completely. And interesting, well, I thought it was interesting, fact about this song. <laughs> you just can't commit to anything. <laughs> was that she performed it for the very first time at a BBC Music Introducing concert in February 2019. So like, she'd never performed it to anyone, and the first time she did it was at this like big BBC concert. It's, it's quite brave, really, isn't it? Uh, who said that? She said that, that it was the first time. Uh, yes, she did. Because I always doubt these claims. <laughs> it's like when people go on Bake Off and they say, this is the first time I've made this. And it's like, fuck yeah, off. Yeah. You've definitely practiced so this. I've never made Vien- <laughs> what, Viennese meringue before. And then it's perfect. Like, yeah. Bollocks. It's, um, I think it's people giving themselves an excuse to fail. If this goes badly, this is the first time I did it. It's like the joke thing. I was only joking. <laughs> I, love to, I love to believe that um, Celine Dion did um, My Heart Will Go On in one take, though. Is that the that's is that the, what people say? Yeah. Ah. Can you imagine walking in? Celine there, Dion can do no wrong. Exactly. That's so the, old, the old rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon she did. But if I mean, mm. if you practiced enough, how hard is it to do something in one take? That's what I always think. Yeah. No. We Cute. do this You're podcast in one take. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Look, look yeah, mic goes. drop. No one can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the time they can hear the mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Anyway, sorry, Liam, we so, interrupted. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so back, to the, back to the song, Strange by Celeste. Um, I think there's a really kind of poignant lyric that, that pretty much points out the danger here. Um, and it's, it's the chorus of the song. It goes, isn't it strange how people can change from strangers to friends, friends into lovers, then strangers again? And it's all, oh, it's deep. It cuts me deep every time I hear it. I think I might have heard this song. Mm. After this podcast, we'll listen to it. Maybe this can be your recommendation. I'm not trying to influence you. It, we'll might, see. it might be, to we'll be honest. S- we'll see at the end of the episode. <laughs> it's the only good song he's got. <laughs> We've got to keep our listeners listening to the end of the episode, so wait till later to see what Liam's recommendation <laughs> is. Coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think I will listen to it and see if I know it. So yeah, be careful. You might up. You might up. <laughs> you might up, you might down. <laughs> you might end up lamenting the loss of a good friend if things don't turn out well. He's, but Marvin's already recognised that. Yeah, but... It doesn't hurt to be warned twice, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to warn you as well. Maybe. I'm going to... Marvin, I'm just going to give you... 
some food for thought in the form of Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Should we sing this as well? Later. <laughs> it's tuned though, isn't it? Massive Can anyone tune. get to that note? Can you do that note? You'll be the only one possible, Liam. I don't think I know the song well enough. That's pretty good. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, Heathcliff. Is an orphan <laughs> who is adopted by Mr. Earnshaw and he's treated better than the Earnshaw's real children, Hindley and Catherine. When Daddy Earnshaw dies, Hindley inherits Wuthering Heights and allows Heathcliff to stay. <laughs> I'm just. I'm looking for Kate Bush to Morrissey, I've got to say. <laughs> but he only lets him stay as a servant and he treats very badly. <laughs> Catherine and Heathcliff are obviously in love, but Catherine gets engaged to someone else called Edgar Linton because he has the correct social standing, then Heathcliff doesn't. So <laughs> Heathcliff <laughs> runs off in a strop and Catherine falls ill with grief over losing him because he's gone away. Edgar and Catherine marry and Heathcliff returns three years later <laughs> as a wealthy gentleman. So I'm going to cut out some intervening details and uh, Edgar gets pissed off with him hanging around all the time and he cuts off contact. And Catherine is so distraught about it that she locks herself in her room and never recovers. Oh. And she dies after giving birth to a daughter. I'm sorry for all these spoilers, guys, but this novel is literally hundreds of years old, so um, get with the program. Heathcliff calls upon her ghost to haunt him for as long as he lives. Ends up refusing to eat and dies My in Catherine's God. old room. Yeah, all these old novels were really depressing, weren't they? Not the one I've got to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Now, I'm sure there are a hundred lessons to be learned from Wuthering Heights. Could you pick out a couple? <laughs> I think the lesson we can take from it... Oh! <laughs> that was a mid-sentence hiccup. <laughs> oh! Oh! I'm so overcome with emotion. <laughs> the lesson we can take is that if Heathcliff and Catherine had just gone for it, maybe they would have avoided all this drama and sadness and lived happily ever after. Because, you know, they would have um, cut out or the marrying someone else, being distraught over leaving and blah, blah, blah. But you really don't know unless you go for it, do you? So hmm. I think the advice I can give you from this, Marvin, is that the last thing you should do is let your crush's ghost haunt you forever. That is definitely the wrong thing to do. Yeah, you don't want that. And uh, sticking on the period piece, well, this isn't period because it's modern, but... That's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> 1996's Emma, directed by Douglas McGrath. Also, 1995 Clueless, directed by Amy Hecklin. So Clueless is based on Emma, which is a Jane Austen novel. So the social standing bit, you said, was interesting because this is all about... Emma Woodhouse is trying to matchmake people and is terrible at it, but thinks she's good at it. So she prides herself on setting up her governess with someone. The governess from The Chase. Yeah, yeah, Anne Haggerty, whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and in Clueless, Cher, um, she sets up two teachers. So they both think, oh, I'm really good at this and it's fun. I'm going to do this like professionally, if you like. Like Cilla Black did. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Another banging theme tune. 
<laughs> you just don't no, know no, when to stop, don't. do you, Carl? <laughs> so, um, both uh, characters have a relationship with like an older guy. In um, Clueless, it's a guy at college called Josh. Um, Emma, she's landed gentry, by the way, and also sharing Clueless is kind of rich, like her dad's a lawyer. So, it's like the 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 feeling is that Jane Austen was trying to get across is. The only thing they got to do is meddle in other people's business. Yeah. Because they're just bored and that's rich what they're Rich and bored. Rich and bored. Um, Emma has Mr. Knightley, who's like a family friend, comes over now and again, is very handsome. You know, we like a bit of Mr. Knightley. But so she thinks she's doing a good thing. She takes someone under her wing. It's Harriet in um, Emma and Ty in Clueless. And she's like, she, she persuades him to get rid of the guy she's seeing, who's a fun, kind of nice guy, clever but no social standing in both periods. And um, she tries to get her to go out with someone else. Um, but she's ruining something that's like a good thing. So Harriet and Ty meant this person's perfect for them, but she's she tries to persuade them that they're not. You should be with someone better. And so, you know, this things happen, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm liking the new theme. Emma and Cher, they have someone in mind to be there boyfriend or husband um who's a bit of a playboy fashionista you know type of guy um he turns out to be a right cock and she's like oh he's a right cock (laughs) it sounds like they could have seen it coming a mile off (laughs) yeah um and then ty slash harriet fancies mr knightley slash josh and says to emma slash Cher, i'd like to um you know try it with him and then she realizes hold on a minute Emma slash Cher really likes Josh slash Miss Knightley <laughs> and she wants Harriet slash Kai. I am so confused. Fuck off. <laughs> so the point of the whole thing, after all the things have happened, is that it kind of blows up in her face. She's made to look stupid because she's setting up the wrong people. Harriet should have been with uh, George Martin. And then because someone else fancies Mr. Knightley slash Josh, she thinks, actually, he's the one for me. And then they get married. And so the right person was there all along. It said they made it really complicated. So maybe the fact that you've got a crush, maybe you're really good friends. I think, like Aaron said, it's worth exploring and maybe even just say, you know, what do you think we'd be like together? And test the water. Yeah. So and when they say no, you can say, I'm only joking. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's our top tactic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how I propose. But you anyway. weasel about it. <laughs> yeah. how, how long, if he does want to go with that method, how long is it before there's no opportunity to say I'm only joking? <laughs> Ten years down the line. <laughs> I'm only joking, it's in divorced. <laughs> Did you follow the Emma Clueless plotline? Uh, not really, because of all the different names you used, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just I know, when I listen back, if the listeners have listened to this episode twice, <laughs> then they'll um, get it. Yeah, I should say, maybe Aaron can paste this in before, but get a pen and pencil, pen and paper ready. <laughs> And write this down. <laughs> or just read the book. Watch the film. Watch, Watch film. both films. Watch both films, read the book. <laughs> All right. So are we running out of material? Have we got... Our advice seems to be... <laughs> We're pretty um, consistent, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, give it a go. Maybe we need some contrary viewpoints. Um, well, if you do give it a go, it depends how you do it, but you could ruin it forever, so maybe don't give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think from music it was more... Just be a bit careful. Um, because it's the lean way if it ruins your friendship <laughs> it might not be worth it if you don't really care about the friendship then it might be worth it that's very true yeah. that definitely is the lean way <laughs> <laughs> maybe do it maybe don't well, only you know what's going to make you happy <laughs>
move on to problem two. A couple of years ago, I had a small near-death experience, which made me realise that I should grab life and make every day count. However, I quickly fell into my same old routine, and now, two years later, I realise that I still haven't grabbed life. I don't even know what big thing I want to do to grab life. I've never had a hobby I could take to the next level, and I don't really have any great interests. Tell me, how do I go about grabbing life and making every day count? This podcast was um, an attempt at grabbing life, wasn't it? For the listeners at home, I'm going to open my heart up to the listeners, guys. I thought it was just a last-ditch attempt to save our friendship. <laughs> well, it's that as well. It's not, wor- it's not working. <laughs> um, we had this idea last year, at the end of 2019. I forgot what year it was then. And because of COVID and lockdown, we ended up not being able to do anything for a while this year, at the beginning of this year. And then we met up and started actually recording it. Most of the time, these things are a, um, oh, wouldn't it be good if you blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, I'm only joking. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't do it because you're scared of failing, just like the only joking thing. But this time we've just gone for it, haven't we? You only live once. You might as well meet up. And as you say... (laughs) Maybe we'll save our friendships in the process. <laughs> I said um, to you guys, we'd recorded a pilot, didn't we? And I said, if we don't do anything else, at least we did it. We did something, yeah. you know? So you are right. It's nice that we're doing something yeah, that think, we yeah. conceived. Yeah. For sure. So we can understand where this person's coming from, basically. Yeah. So come on, examples. Give I it think, to them. Yeah, okay. Oh, wait a minute. Let's, let's think of a name for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who struggles to grab life? Uh, Miss Haversham, she sits in a room looking at a cake rotting in order. Yeah, why not? What's her first name? Estella, isn't it? In fact, let's call her Missy. Um, Well, like, we're talking about our friendship a minute ago and we all, well, at least two of us met in the 90s. And I think if you're after some unbridled enthusiasm and optimism, the 90s is a good place to go. Um, Back in 1999, uh, there was a, a rather popular group, in the UK at least, by the name of S Club 7. Oh. Who, I think this is probably their biggest hit. I don't know, you might disagree. Bring it all back. They're all massive hits, aren't they? They're all pretty big at the time. Reach, S Club Party. Yeah, S Club Party. Reach, Um, ah, Reach. Their Christmas one. (laughs) Yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't think of it. It's really good, though. You should have spoke about that that one last week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas is over, Carl. Oh, I'm yeah. good, definitely going to listen to that song, though. I mean, there's not, I don't think there's a great deal to say about the song. It speaks for itself, really. It's incredibly upbeat. Some would say hideously upbeat. It's, uh, hideously it's, so. <laughs> this song is so positive. <laughs> it's, uh, it's full of, you know, feel-good, empowering lyrics that might help you feel a bit better about life. Interesting fact, according to Wikipedia, it's the only song on which all four of the girls shared the lead vocal. Can you share a lead vocal? Uh, in that they sang a little bit each, is what it means. Oh. Um, and there's the obvious line from the chorus don't stop never give up hold your head high and reach the top you can't say it without singing the next verse in your head can you bring it all back to you bring it all back now what's your favourite Escobar 7 member uh, it's got to be Bradley isn't it <laughs> 
Yeah, but Joe's got the flow. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's Bradley? Bradley, Bradley swings. You want to see Bradley swing? Want to see, see Rachel Rachel do her thing. thing? She's my favourite. What's she doing? <laughs> just her own thing. <laughs> she's just getting on with life. <laughs> she's doing the housework. Yeah, yeah. She's not even part of the group. She's, um, she's guys, like, can you start pulling your weight? Bradley, <laughs> can you stop swinging? <laughs> um, and the, the the other lyric from the song. Uh, I think, well, I mean, there's a few, but it, the other one that's, I think is relevant here is imagination is the key because you are your own destiny. And it goes back to what, uh, what did we say his name was? Mrs. Havisham. Miss, oh, Missy Havisham. Missy Havisham. It goes back to what Missy was saying about uh, hobbies. So we done that. Um, you know, try and use your imagination and find new things to enjoy. If you, if you know, if you don't really know your, uh, what existing hobbies you can exploit as you put it so weirdly um, because as we said earlier for the last question only you know what makes you happy what, what I mean is you know if you're asking strangers to tell you what to do that will make you happy you're probably going to have a hard time that's what our whole premise is about Liam so let's uh, <laughs> yeah we don't want to do ourselves out of the job basically can you stop writing into us because we don't know the answer <laughs> <laughs> only you know <laughs> uh, yeah I, I know what you mean I'm going to elaborate on that I'm going to extend that point through the medium of interpretive dance, dance. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is lovely oh he's on the floor now <laughs> uh, no through Cocaine Nights by J.G. Ballard I'm glad that's a book and not a suggestion <laughs> <laughs> the story is that Frank Prentice is imprisoned and accused of murdering a family by burning their house down with them in it and his brother Charles knowing that his brother would never do anything like that he flies out to Estrella de Mar to free him. And in the course of his investigation into what actually happened, he meets Bobby Crawford, a lovable rogue who literally burgles and vandalises property all over the town to wake people up. Mm. Because he says that TV is turning everyone into zombies and that no one wants to do anything interesting anymore because we're all brainwashed and lobotomised by technology. So he steals their tellies and smashes their property and stuff to break them out of their stupors. I think he also likes to set fire to things. Mm, suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a deeper conspiracy than that. And some pretty weird content, to be honest. But the point is that Bobby Crawford's drive to destroy and cause chaos is absolutely tireless. And in the book, he's like rabid about it. And whether or not you agree with his outlook or his methods, it's because he has a cause that he's passionate about. Passionate about. And he really thinks needs fixing. So, maybe, as Liam says, only you know what makes you happy. But, but maybe... Don't burn down people's houses. Don't burn down people's houses. But maybe what you're missing isn't just a hobby or something to do to grab life, but a reason to grab it. A cause that really makes you feel passionate that you need to, you know, fight for. Maybe if you found that, you'd know exactly what you'd to do to make every day count. So what I'm saying is stop looking for a hobby to fill your time and instead look for something to be passionate about and the hobby and the grabbing life will follow because once you're passionate about something, you know what to do to pursue it, don't you? That is very true. I think I agree with the sentiment. It, it, it was a very weird journey to get to that end point, I think. Uh, sit and swivel. <laughs> <laughs> um, the film that immediately sprang to mind with this one was uh, The Secret Life of Walter Missy from 2013. 
directed by Ben Stiller, also starring. It was based on a feel, a pre, an old film, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's no, a short story by James Gruber story. in uh, 1939, Liam. Very, very good. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Christmas uh, character, the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> and this film promises a lot and is about exactly what we're talking about, but doesn't really deliver any solutions. What does Walter Mitty do to grab life? So he's like a kind of, he's doing quite a cool job, but it's menial. He um, develops negatives for Life magazine. And he's kind of, because he works closely with uh, this world famous photographer called Sean O'Connell, they're kind of friends. And Sean sends him his latest batch. And it's also the, they're discontinuing Life magazine in print. So he sends the final photo for the front page, but it's missing. He says number 25 is the quintessence of life and he can't find it in this map and he thinks he's lost it he thinks he's going to get fired so he starts following this guy basically all over the world to try and see if he's still got it um, also Sean has sent him a wallet as a present and guess what he doesn't look in the wallet for the oh, next it's in there. Oh. Yeah. And it's, yeah, which is at home that was a major spoiler sorry <laughs> um, and he ends up in Greenland he Long boards down a volcano. I should say also, Walter's quiet. He doesn't. He daydreams a lot about doing adventurous stuff, but never does it. Like he fancies his girl, he daydreams being with her, but never takes a plunge to ask her out, things like that. Um, so this is a big move for him to actually like go and do something. Grab he's life. ready for my big move. He's ready for his big move. So he actually does it. It's not like an open-ended, did no. he really do it? Yeah, it's, it's not as... He doesn't try to be that clever, which would be really annoying, you know, if you find out he didn't actually do it. Um, but actually he doesn't find him and he gets called back to New York he has to admit that he's lost it he gets fired I think but then he goes back to back to his mum's house where and he's had the wallet there she's thrown the wallet in the bin but then she finds the wallet gets it out of the bin and he finds a negative in there and it's Walter Mitty standing sitting outside Life magazine reading a magazine so really this, this film's a lot of um, segments a lot of lovely scenery I like the idea of it but it didn't deliver not really you don't get thinking yeah I'm going to grab life but I think he's meant to say that but I think you can still take a message from it because then Walter his adventures teach him to kind of you know start like that he can do it he can go out and do things he can't just doesn't have to just daydream about them I don't feel like exactly what Aaron said you don't life isn't going to come at you opportunities aren't going to they do sometimes come along but the more you do, the more scope there is for opportunity to come along to grab life. So start doing things and then maybe you'll find your niche. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to suggest, <clears throat> I'm just going to suggest an activity for you. And I don't want to introduce more competition into my field, but I'm not exactly a forerunner in my field anyway. <laughs> so I think I can afford it. Why not take up writing, Missy? And my book suggestions for the rest of this problem are just going to be books about writing so that you can uh, on writing by Stephen King you can't do that again sorry <laughs> too late amazing book brilliant it's all right, book he's about ready. writing so Liam's ready <laughs> Liam loves twice. it as well oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bird by Bird some instructions on writing and life by Annie Lamott no Anne Lamott sorry Anne not only practical writing advice, but also personal experiences from the life of a writer, just like on writing was. Writing Down the Bones, Freeing the Writer Within by Natalie Goldberg. Also more of the same. 
So I've given you all those suggestions. And if you're listening to that and thinking, that doesn't really sound like my thing, then maybe you already have an idea of what is your thing. Like if someone says to you, do you want a ham sandwich? And you think, "Mm, I'd rather peanut butter. Maybe you're thinking, Missy, I don't want to write, I'd rather surf. (laughs) Then you know what to do, Missy. You have at least crossed one item off the list, which is writing. <laughs> so you can, you can just do a process of elimination. <laughs> Every activity in life, one by one. That's my suggestion. There you go. I like it. I like it. I'm um, done. Mic drop. We've got, I think I've got a bit more practical advice for you as keep well. It, keep if, it at my If you need hand. it. So uh, we're still in the 90s, if you remember. We love the 90s for optimism and things like that. Uh, so back in 1994... The same year that Mariah, Mariah Carey was releasing All I Want for Christmas Is You and E17 were releasing Stay Another Day, as you might know if you'd listened to the Christmas special, uh, there was an artist called Desiree. So in 94, Desiree released a hit song, You Gotta Be. Uh, Desiree's known for her positive outlook and chirpy, upbeat songs. And um, she's got some pretty strong, practical advice in this one. Uh, do you guys know this song? You gotta be bad, you gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser. I just had a uh, memory flood back of me and my mum make up a dance to this. <laughs> <laughs> Last yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Aaron, you've, you've named three things that you gotta be. Can, can you name the other five? Oh, hard. pop quiz. You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger. Yeah, that's six. You gotta be cool, you gotta be, you gotta be calm. You gotta to stick together. That's nine. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's got advice for you. you know if you you've got to be these things in life <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get what you want is what Desiree's saying. All that she wants is another baby, and that's the difference on Carl. <laughs> you can't always get what you want. That's the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's other notable pieces of advice from the song as well. In the second verse, I think she says, "Herald what your mother said." And read the books your, your father, father read. read. Aaron will like that one. On writing by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> and um, fun fact about Desiree, did you know she won a Brit Award in 1999 for Best British Female? No. No. Is that a fun fact? And that's five Someone... years after like, her only big song. Has she, has she got more? I don't know. Someone has to win it every year. So is it a fun fact oh, when someone wins an award? No disrespect to Desiree. I didn't think she was... Oh, it's a fun fact because she's shit. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I didn't think she was that kind of, you know, established an artist. But for well, her to win a Brit Award, she yeah, must have been What, what did she well release in 99 then? Well, so, Cole, here's the thing. When I was thinking about songs uh, that might give good advice on life, I'm going to be honest, You Gotta Be by Desiree wasn't the first Desiree song that popped to mind. Really? There's another song by Desiree from 1998 called Life. Oh, life. Oh, one. Oh, life. <laughs> Carl thought it was a different song. <laughs> hey, I'm doing One Night in Heaven. <laughs> one Night in Heaven. <laughs> so, Life was her highest charting hit in the UK. Um, I don't know if it got to number one, but it was it was it did a lot better than um, You Got to Be. And I thought, you know, given her reputation, this song was bound to have some really good positive messages about how best to enjoy life. I was a little bit wrong about that. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, musically, it's a good song. It's catchy. You know, it's well arranged. It's got it's got a cool sequence. It's not particularly interesting, but it's you know it's decent enough. It sticks some of the Liam boxes of a good song. It's, it's yeah, you know. This feels like a roast of Desiree, hosted <laughs> oh, by yeah. Liam. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely tearing apart. Her. It's, it's the lyrics that are a little bit of a problem. They they're 
they're pretty bad. Um, I've got a personal highlight. You might have it written down, but this is what I always think about when I think about Life by Desiree. I don't want to see a ghost. It's a sight that I fear most. I'd rather have a piece of toast. That is not a lyric. Yeah. And, no watch, and watch the evening news. That's yeah. how it ends. That, that lyric in 2007 won a BBC poll for the worst pop music lyric of all time. That's, that's good, because it should have. Um, and I think we should probably point out, no disrespect to you, Desiree, because you're a better singer than, more successful singer than any of us will ever be, especially based on the examples we've given and, so far. And a more successful songwriter. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're not saying you are shit, although we've made jokes about you being shit. I don't <laughs> think she's going to listen or care. She might listen think, and she might care, Carl. I don't want to hurt people's feelings we, and she's, yeah. she's think, good. If we, reach, if we reach Desiree, you know, listenership, <laughs> we will have succeeded. <laughs> I'll be so happy. Yeah. I, but as an artist, I don't think she's bad. You know, you got to be, I think it's a great song. It's just the lyrics to life are just a bit weird. There's another another highlight, which is I'm afraid of the dark, especially when I'm in a park. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a rap I wrote when I was eight. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got that sort of vibe, doesn't it? But I mean, on the on the subject of bad lyrics, are there any lyrics that kind of stick out for you as a lyric that always, whenever people talk about lyrics, one that always comes up for me is a misheard lyric. You know, in um, the Shania Twain song. That don't impress me much. Yeah, when she says, I can't believe you kiss your car goodnight. I always thought when I was a kid that that's kiss your cock at night. Yeah. That's what I always think about. Why? Have you got one in mind? Well, there's a, there's the a song. The worst lyric of all time. There's a song that I always think of. Um, so Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park did a solo project called Fort Minor. And uh, the single off the album was called Petrified, which is a pretty good song. But one of the lyrics in it, goes, listen, you are not ready. Like children in a building, you can't stand steady. And every time I hear it, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've got two that spring to mind. First is Eminem. Now I get to see you leave out the... <laughs> window, that's why, <laughs> why they, they call, call it window, window pane. pane. Yeah. <laughs> and from, um, um, Rhythm is a Dancer. That's the way you lie in it. Yeah. yeah. Rhythm is a Dancer. I'm as serious as cancer. What I say, rhythm is a dead. Yeah. So that is number two on the BBC <laughs> worst uh, popular music lyrics of all time. Number three, I thought this quite interesting, is from a Razorlight song called Somewhere Else, which was released in 2005. And the lyric is, I met a girl, she asked me my, she asked me my name, and I told her what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice. <laughs> um, yeah, what that reminds me of is the Electric Six song. And this is deliberately bad because it's Electric Six, but where the song begins, I was walking down the street. You were just across the street. So I had to cross the street to get to your side of the street. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great gimmick to have, like, we do bad lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> like, you should get away with anything there, can't yeah. You? Um, yeah, brilliant. So, <laughs> so what was the point? Well, it was, oh, yeah, no, it was life. We went on a really big bad, tangent but, about yeah, bad yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. circle back to Desiree. You've got to be loads of things to be successful. Yeah, be right? bad, be yeah. bold, be wiser, be hard, be tough, be stronger, be cool, be calm, be together, and love will save the day. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um... Something else you can do. Have you got something else? Nope. No. I exhausted it with On Writing by Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen I'm paid, King, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm paid per mention, so I just want to mention On Writing by Stephen King. <laughs> by the way, I'm not being paid. I'm open to, uh, to offers. You could just watch something that makes you feel like you need to seize the day a lot. Um, 2012's The Impossible, directed by J.A. Bayona. Do you know this film about the tsunami in Thailand? What's it called? 
The Impossible. Oh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's funny because it's, it's got Ewan McGregor, Naomi Watts and Tom Holland in it. But it's a Spanish film, filmed in the English language. Um, didn't know that. Do they speak Spanish? No. Oh, no, it's filmed in the English language. <laughs> yeah, what you yeah, that means they talk English. <laughs> um, and it's about the Bennett family's plight during the 2004 tsunami, which was obviously horrific. And you, basically, you can't believe they survived it when you watch it. You watch it like gritting your teeth through your mm. hands. It's weird, like... Gritting your teeth through your hands. <laughs> <laughs> we want our listeners just to picture that. <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be a picture in the show notes. <laughs> um, so, yeah... It will definitely make you feel like you love life because it could end in a big tsunami at any time. Yeah, I think um, whenever you hear about like uh, people at work or friends of friends or whatever, people dying early or as this Missy Havisham has been through, a near-death experience, stuff like that, you always think, God, life is so fragile, isn't it? I really need to make every day count and as missy says two or three days later you've forgotten about it and mm. <laughs> you yeah. i don't think we've provided much help guys we um <laughs> i think life is full of mundane distractions that you need things you need to do every day life gets in the way doesn't it mm. life and that's what you need uh oh, no. gets in the way <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no it does and time just goes doesn't it i've spent so much time playing full guys or Crash 4 now (laughs) when I could have been doing something like I'm working on a novel that I've been working on for about three years now and I was like my last one took me three years as well and I thought I'm not going to do that again I'm just going to write it just get it out there but then you reach a difficult bit and you go I don't know how to write this at the moment I'll put it down I haven't picked it up for about the last four months when are you going to finish Winds of Winter Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think I am (laughs) I think I'll die before it comes out. <laughs> um, I just want to give a shout out to another film, um, 2007's Enchanted, uh, directed by Kevin Lima. It's a Disney film. Uh, it's the one that's um, a cartoon then turns into live action. I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss. Is that, yeah. Is that your um, your song highlight from Enchanted? Not, <laughs> how does she know that Did you love her? her? I mean, there's some pretty good songs in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's a fantastic film. Yeah. This is why this is why I want to mention it because it's hilarious. It's um so light-hearted, but it starts off with uh, the princess uh what's her name? Oh, I can't remember. Amy Adams. Yeah. Princess Amy Adams. I love Amy Adams <laughs> so much. She's trying to be killed by like a wicked witch queen in like loads of different ways and then ends up falling down a well into the real world. Well, she's trying to kill is her she, Isn't Adina Menzel in it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you mean Adele, Adele disease. disease. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah she has a few um, near death experiences but sees his life every single day with her little bird friends and stuff and people think she's crazy in the film because she's like a Disney princess who is in a dream world of happiness and but maybe we should all be living like that yeah why not I think that's a fantastic example Carl well done I love a bit of enchantment. I got a shout out to my wife and your wife that helped me come up with that one. (laughs) The wife team. They're they're the writers behind this. (laughs) How are we wrapping up? What's our advice? Uh, Well, we're not not committing to any advice, as usual. I'm committing to listen to Desiree. Listen to Desiree. Desiree. But not life. Find, Find your passion and watch films that make you feel alive. 
stranger came arranging to old town one fine day the townsfolk came to meet him they heard what he had to say he said i hear this town's got problems some outlaws on the run and i've come to solve these problems with my problem gun word soon got to these outlaws about a ranger new in town and they soon came out of hiding to put this ranger down they laughed when they first saw him beneath the high noon sun but he soon stopped them from laughing with his problem gun problem gun problem gun yeah the ranger solved their problems with his problem gun shall we move on to problem three I've got a new girlfriend who I'm absolutely crazy about. I'm pretty sure she's mad about me too. We get on great, have loads of fun, and I've never been in a relationship this happy. However, her mum and dad seem not to be that fond of me, and no matter what I do, I can't seem to get them to like me. I can't see myself being a big part of her life if her family don't like me. So how do I get in their good books? We're all... uh, Pretty close to our in-laws, aren't we? We're charmers as well. Especially you, Carl. You flirt with everyone. So if you flirt with your mother-in-law, she loves you, doesn't she? (laughs) (laughs) It's Carl's oldest tactic. All the mother-in-laws he's had. (laughs) Flirt with everyone. Um, But from my and Liam's perspective in particular, like I've been with my wife in some capacity for... 14 years. How many capacities have you been with your wife in? <laughs> like girlfriend, fiance, oh, okay. wife. Oh yeah, we should maybe... Are you ready to be outed on the podcast? What? Carl had a system in his head where these... All the things he just named were levels of relationship. Girlfriend, fiance, wife. And if he did something bad and she wanted to split up with him... Rather than the relationship just ending, he'd get downgraded. <laughs> so, I think that's a really good way of doing things. <laughs> once, once she's his wife, if he does something that makes him divorceable now, hmm. he'll just go back to fiancé. Oh, so you get divorced, but then you get engaged immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. contemporaneously. <laughs> don't you think that'd be such a better system? Like, you know, you don't commit to just ending it. See how it... Everyone deserves a second chance. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. My, um, it, it rewards consistency, doesn't it? That's what it does. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend that said um, a marriage contract should be a lot like a mortgage that's reviewable every five years. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pessimistic outlook. <laughs> <laughs> so my point was, I've known my in-laws for 14 years. And so like, they're, I've known them like nearly half my life. So mm. you need to... It's very important to win them over if you want a future, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, I think I've, I'm in exceptional circumstances because my parents and my in-laws knew each other before I was even born. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Were you in an arranged marriage? <laughs> I don't know. I do wonder sometimes. <laughs> I didn't know that, Liam. Um, well, I'll start the uh, art deluge. Art, darling. <laughs> yes. Uh, for this one, because I haven't started. I keep fobbing it off on you two, so I haven't started in a while. So here it goes. And I've been looking for an excuse to use a book by Cormac McCarthy for the whole series. So I'm so happy that this one came up. Cormac McCarthy wrote... No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. Aaron loves that. On the Road. Top five films ever. Not On the Road. That was Jack Kerouac. 
Was it? Kerouac, yeah. Oh, damn. The Road. The Road. By gotcha. John McCarthy, yeah. <laughs> and he's excellent. He's a fantastic writer, as evidenced by those two books. They're so good. But that's not the one, those aren't the ones I'm referencing now. All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy, published by Picador. Story is, here comes the story. You ready for the story? Prepare yourself for spoilers. John Grady Cole. Carl's put his hands in his ears. <laughs> his whole hands. He's got huge ears. He's, he's got his hands in his ears through gritted teeth. <laughs> John Grady Cole grew up on his grandfather's ranch. And he was raised by a Mexican family who work on the ranch. And when his granddad dies, the ranch is going to be sold. And rather than moving into town, he decides to ride with his, with his friend, uh, Lacey Rawlins, to Mexico. And they have a small amount of adventure on the way. And they end up working at a Mexican ranch where John Grady Cole falls in love with the ranch owner's daughter, Alejandra. They begin an affair, a secret affair, which doesn't escape the attention of Alejandra's great-aunt. She tells John Grady Cole that Alejandra can't afford to lose her honour and she opposes their relationship. Much like, <gasps> we haven't given this person a name. <gasps> What's the guy, um, Javier Bardem's name in No Country for Old Men? Do you want to know his name? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Anton Chigur. Oh, Chigur. Chigur. Yeah. Where do we go? So we're saying that. Anton. There you go, Anton. Mm. So Anton, much like you... John Grady Cole's in-laws don't approve of the relationship. Or so you think at the moment, based on their reaction to you. She tells him she opposes their relationship. Alejandra goes off to school in Mexico City. He and his friend are arrested, imprisoned, beaten. I think for the things they did earlier in the story, during what I kind of fobbed, up, fobbed off as a small amount of adventure <laughs> on the way down to Mexico. And things happen. Yeah, things happen. But eventually, they're freed from this imprisonment by Alejandra's aunt, whose only condition in return is that Alejandra never sees John Grady Cole again. That's not the end of the story. But I'm not going to go any further because I don't want to spoil it and I want you all to discover it for yourselves because it is an excellent book. The point is, if your partner is close to their family, then their opinions will always be important to her and to your relationship. And as you say, it might be impossible to have a lasting relationship without her family's approval. But perhaps you should also prepare yourself for never receiving that approval. Trying to win them over is all well and good, but what if, like Alejandra's aunt, their minds are made up and there's nothing you can do to change them? What then? Well, maybe there is something you can do, Anton. In 1999, we're going to get out of the 90s eventually, but, you know, we need to, we need to take it gradually. So we're going to go to 1999 first. Um, Shania Twain was preaching an important lesson in her hit, That Don't Impress Me Much. Which has already been mentioned today. It has. Totally unplanned. Friend of the show, Shania Twain. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the lesson is this. You might think you're the bee's knees and have it all, but sometimes... Other people don't share your ideas of what is important. So in that Don't Impress Me Much, Shania Twain talks about some men that she's, I think, implied that she's been with in the past. Um, and she gives three examples. Can you name the main flaws of the three men that she talks about in the song? Um, you kiss your cock at night. <laughs> <laughs> 
you makes me take off my shoes before he lets me get oh, in. Oh, so you think you're Brad Pitt? So, all right, yeah. So is that what you're saying? These bits. Yeah. These bits, yeah. So being Brad Pitt is a flaw. No, is no, that no. What you're the, saying? The, the the flaw <laughs> is. Oh, thinking you're Brad Pitt. The flaw is that he loves himself. She okay, says, yeah. all that extra hair gel in your hair, sorry, all that extra hold gel in your hair, ought to lock it, because heaven forbid it'd fall out of place. Oh, oh. She's, she's giving it some sass in yeah, uh, So that's one of them. This, this guy loves himself. He thinks he's Brad Pitt. Same so turn to a rocket scientist? Uh, yep. So one of them's a smart ass. She says, you've got being right down to an art. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> I think his response to that would be, we'll stop being wrong then. <laughs> and the other one, which you've already covered. What is this? It's a dog. Okay. It's a local dog. It's got the ice cream van and the dog. <laughs> the, the other one that you've already covered is this guy's. A, <laughs> it's actually, it's yeah, actually it's a, a dog. dog. It sounds like something squeaking though. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird noise, and it's so regular. <laughs> it's a dog. It happens regularly. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. I hope there's a good point at which I can cut this. <laughs> so the other one that you've already covered is uh, this other guy's obsessed with his car. And she says, I can't believe you kiss your car goodnight. Not cock at night. Not cock at night. <laughs> can um, you do that, Liam? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can during the day. <laughs> um, and yeah, like for all these things, she's saying, you know, I think you're all right. But that's not going to keep me warm in the middle of the long... Cold, Cold lonely stormy night. night. Oh, lonely night. Stormy. And I can hear everyone shouting, what's the point? Well, the point is... your that girlfriend's. Dogs. <laughs> what? <laughs> point! Point! <laughs> the point is, your girlfriend's parents are probably just want what's best for her. You know? You, it might be good to just have a little think about that and see if things that you think are really good are also genuinely good for her. And maybe try and find some ways to prove that you have more than just material merits to your character. I'm victim blaming again, but... I like the, to, the solution to the victim blaming is just say, yeah, we are victim blaming. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to stop. <laughs> we're just going to acknowledge it. Um, what about Liam? What about if sometimes your in-laws are just pricks? Have you thought about that? Uh, have I thought about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Meet the Parents from 2000, directed by Jay Roach. It's basically your situation, Anton. Greg Fokker is a man. He's a male nurse. And he wants to get engaged to his girlfriend, Pam. And he gets invited to Pam's sister's wedding, where he meets all of Pam's family, including the patriarch of the family, Robert De Niro. He's a former CIA employee who's suspicious of Greg and openly criticises him immediately for being a male nurse. Being part of the CIA or former CIA, he investigates Greg to make sure he's on the level finds out he's got no record of him he's a liar he's not who he says he is it turns out it's because Greg's not his name his name is Freddie uh, no uh, Gaylord Gaylord Fokker uh, that's right now on this at this wedding or this wedding like weekend Gaylord Greg doesn't really like um, cover himself in glory because he gives the bride to be a broken nose and a black eye during a volleyball game he floods the garden with sewage he sets the wedding altar on fire and he loses their beloved family cat and replaces her with a stray who he spray paints to look the same. So I think there's grounds to think this guy is no good. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Animal cruelty. But that won't fit the <laughs> Dishonesty. narrative. Dishonesty. <laughs> That's not going to fit the narrative I'm trying to tell here. So yeah. um, 
there's also a belief that the rest, all of um, Pam's family think that he was set up to fail. Like Jack was never going to accept him because he criticizes him straight away and he investigates him, doesn't trust him. So actually what happens here is the family berate Jack for not giving Greg a chance. But Jack, he doesn't, but that's what changes Jack's mind. Uh, Greg doesn't win him over at all. He's just a complete shambles, to be honest. And it takes the family to say, give him a chance and him to hear... Pam talked to him on the phone and hear how much he means to Pam for him to say, maybe I should give him a bit of a break. So maybe you don't need to do anything. Maybe you can't do anything. Maybe they just need to kind of like it and lump it. You're going to be in their life. It's up to them as well to say, you know what, maybe we should just let like, let it be kind of thing. That's a song, Liam. Um, <laughs> I never knew much about Meet the Parents, but there was a sequel, wasn't there? Meet the Fockers. Yeah. And my granddad thought it was hilarious that there was a film called that and so whenever i whenever i hear about it it just reminds me of him because every when that film was out every time i saw him it go have you seen the fuckers <laughs> well, i love your render uh yeah i'm gonna give you an example carl before you can use it um there's romeo a and juliet <laughs> <laughs> there's a literary work called romeo and juliet you might by baz lerman <laughs> by william shakespeare in 1996 <laughs> <laughs> now everybody knows the story of this Leonardo DiCaprio is from one side of the tracks and Claire Danes is from the other yep. and they fall in love in what looks like Miami and they do most of their flirting through fish tanks fish tanks <laughs> fish what? fish tanks and their parents are extremely unhappy mm. rival families yeah. warring families see we all know the story don't mm. we isn't there a conspiracy theory that Shakespeare didn't write any of his plays. Yeah. And he's still alive yeah. as an undercover cop. In, <laughs> in Peru. <laughs> With Tupac. <laughs> yeah. That is definitely a conspiracy theory we can start. <laughs> well, how old would he be by now? Like 500 years old or something, wouldn't he? So, um, yeah, he's believable. He's, he's also a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can you um, imagine the royalties? <clears throat> so what's the, what's the advice from this? Well, Go for it. Go for it anyway. Ignore the haters. Elope. It's not the best idea because they both end up dead. Spoilers. I didn't... You know, we, you said we all know the story. I didn't quite know the ending. I know they they both die. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> but I didn't know that um, Juliet... I knew it was out 500 years ago, but... <laughs> Did not go round to it. <laughs> like, I knew Juliet... I didn't know Juliet faked her own death. Yeah. And then you Romeo know, thinks she's actually dead. In a canoe. <laughs> for the life insurance yeah so you're so you're saying go for it yeah i'm not saying any of the faking your own death or anything no, we're not like saying that. anything to do with suicide we're not no. suggesting is the way forward the bit that we're saying go for it maybe well what you can take from romeo and juliet is that you could just go for it disregard your in-laws opinion so so i've already got one foot firmly in the camp of this isn't a problem. You need to listen to them. Yeah. I'm going to go full in with both feet now, right? So, <laughs> in 1964, we're out of the 90s, finally. Uh, <laughs> Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons had a hit song called Dawn, in brackets, Go Away. Earlier, I suggested to find ways of showing your true metal and proving you have her best interests at heart. And, and Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons give you a surefire way to do this. But it is a gamble. It's a big gamble. Um, Dawn tells the story of a man who really thought a lot about his relationship and he's decided that he's just not good enough. His strategy is to say, you know what? You're right. I'm not good enough. 
Negging. <laughs> Negging himself. <laughs> the, uh, the, the chorus, Dawn, go away. I'm no good for you. And the family I mentioned too, similar to your problem. He says, we can't change the places where we were born. Before you say you love me, I want you to think what your family would say and think what you're throwing away. They missed the opportunity because Dawn rhymes with Dawn. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Dawn was the line before that. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, it's, it's quite a tragic song. Um, but I think it's a song that indicates a true, unconditional love. It's, you know, I think it's a love worthy of Hollywood, if I'm being honest. It's a sort of love where, you know, you, you love somebody with no concern for your own feelings. And in a rom-com, that would see you justly rewarded. Obviously, life's not a film. So if you think this option's a bit too risky, as Aaron says, you could just say, fuck, I'm only visiting at Christmas. <laughs> Did you say that? I don't, I don't think I did say that. He didn't that, say the Christmas part, but if you haven't listened to the Christmas special yet, it was only uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> Keep plugging other episodes of your own yeah, podcast. Yeah, what are we other episodes? <laughs> <laughs> they're listening, they're here. Yeah, and they're probably thinking, this one isn't great. <laughs> Stop trying to upsell me, I'm not even enjoying myself. <laughs> I f- yeah, I think my sum up would be, um, if you can win them over, great. But if you can't, maybe you never could. But it doesn't mean you're not meant to be with... Your missus. Yeah, I think in that situation, I'd probably just... Um, You'd probably just keep buying rounds of shots until they like you. Wouldn't you? Yeah, just keep buying rounds of shots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got one more example from TV. We've been watching Succession, the HBO series. It's about um, a media mogul who... Um, he seems very disdainful towards his daughter Shiv's boyfriend, Tom. To the point that at the beginning of the series, he won't even look at him. He barely makes eye contact with the bloke. So, you know, as dating someone whose parents were very powerful and rich and intimidating, you'd feel pretty uh, rejected by behaviour like that, wouldn't you? But it emerges that he doesn't really mind his son-in-law. He's got no strong opinion of him either way. He's just an arrogant asshole who doesn't give anyone the time of day. So I'm not throwing stones at your in-laws, Anton, but maybe they're the same. Maybe it's not that... I mean, you're getting the impression that they're not fond of you, but maybe they just Are don't different. care about you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, better than hatred, isn't the, it? Um, the anthill complex. What's that? Where um, people who believe there are like aliens out there think that they haven't contacted us because we're so incons- insignificant to them. It, it'd be like us walking past an anthill and popping our head and saying, Hello, ants! Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe your in-laws think you're an ant. Anton. <laughs> We've come full circle. <laughs> so, have you, have you asked your girlfriend if they actually don't like you, or are you just guessing? Mm. Maybe just ask her. Just say, look, does, do your parents hate me? <laughs> do I need to do something about it? Because I've written into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and they want no help whatsoever. <laughs> they want no help. Um... So, we've reached the end of all of our problems for today. I haven't forgotten Ooh, I was our idea for the day. I'm yeah. very impressed. I thought you'd forget. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. Um, we're going to go one by one. What is the one piece of media you've mentioned today that you would recommend to our listeners as the take-home point? Liam. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Great song. I'm, um, I've got a bit of a split jury on this in my brain, um, but we're going to go for "Strange" by Celeste, just because I think it's a it's a brilliant song and the lyrics are kind of just haunting and oh, I love it. All right, Carl. 
Mine's going to be Enchanted. Fun for all ages. And Such a good film. all kinds of people. Yeah. It's just a good fun, good uplifting. Absolutely. Yeah. And mine would be All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. Excellent book. Good idea, Liam. I've seen Enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't for you, Liam. <laughs> but it was, that's why I raised it. <laughs> Liam wanted one recommendation. Oh, you kept brave right, this week. Since this is the first time, should we also give a recommendation for all of the previous episodes? Oh my days. I don't mean each individual one. I mean one thing we've mentioned in all of the previous episodes that's definitely worth... Well, now? Yeah. Because right. I've got mine already. It's Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, one from all of the previous. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mine would be Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy by John le Carre. Excellent book. Really gave me a sense of thrill and personal fulfilment. Did it? Nice. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, I just wanted something deep to say about it, but it's really entertaining and well written. Uh, mine's going to be The Great Escape. Okay. All right, good. So that covers every other episode. We'll do that from now on, if we can remember. And if not, we'll summarise in a future episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just do this over and over again. And that's all we've got time for today. Check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist that Liam's put together with all the songs he mentioned. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I'd like to thank our resident Agony uncles for their contributions. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Liam. Thank you. Thank you. Rate us five stars. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See you later. See you. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can't be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here at Agony Art. Agony Art. Agony Art.